Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, joined by my co-host, Ben Bateman. What is going on, the people of magic? So today it's just us. We have no guests, but we are going to do kind of a state of the union, but it's going to be a state of what modern is right now. We're on the verge of Modern Masters 15, and, you know, Dragons of Tarkir has hit the the scene, and, you know, we want to kind of talk about what's going on right now in Magic. So we're going to go through each of the different tiers of decks, and then follow that up with kind of how Modern Masters is going to affect modern moving forward. Uh, yeah, because it seems fairly obvious that Wizards is trying to grow the format, both with uh, the Modern Masters expansions in 2013 and 2015, as well as reprinting Fetchlands, and just several years ago, Shocklands and Ravnica. They're, they're very interested and keen on this format getting bigger. So this is the next step in that process, and we really want to talk about what are the cards that are going to be in your hands if you want to build a modern deck? What can you expect to play against at the next tournament that, that you can see in someone else's hands? And so we want to look at the state of the format. Right. Um, before we get started on all of that business, I do want to mention you guys should be following us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. If you go follow us, pause what I'm saying. Go follow us, come back, and then tweet at us in some order. You can pick which order you do that in. We'll respond, and it'll be fun because we like interacting with you guys, and I hopefully you guys like interacting with us. Yeah, we've gotten some really, really awesome interaction from you guys recently, actually. like Definitely like uh, insightful answers to our questions. We've given away a couple of booster packs uh, which is pretty cool. So yeah. interact with us, and maybe you'll get talk back and booster pack. Yep, and that includes rating us on iTunes. You can even email at us at the very end of the cast. Uh, our feminine or intro host right now sends uh, us <laughs> tells you what our email is. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk to you about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the format as it stands. So we're actually rated kind of the format into. Uh, Three tiers, but technically it's five tiers. There's a tier zero and a tier 1.5. So tier zero. So what tier zero is, is it's the base level of the format. This is the deck that power levels have to be judged against. And it is also generally the deck that has won most consistently. For a while, it was actually Birthing Pod. um, All last year, pretty much. And before that, a lot of times it was Jund. Jund was kind of the original tier zero deck of the format. Um, Right now, it's Splinter Twin. But between GP, um, between the last GP and the last Pro Tour, it winning both of them, it's kind of cemented itself as the deck that kind of forces deck decisions to be made, and your general game plan walking to a tournament has to keep it into consideration. Yeah, what's really interesting about Splinter Twin when you talk about it in terms of a format baseline, it's it's a super super hard line, whereas those other decks you mentioned, Jund and and Birthing Pod and Abzan, I guess would be the other sort of public enemy number one deck. They're not because they're those are those are very good value decks that I guess Pod had the ability to kill you with a combo. Twin is very simply if you do something wrong and you're not prepared for me, I'm going to kill you on the fourth turn of the game. That's right. how this works. So when you th- when you think about like I'm going to take X Y or Z deck to a tournament, you have to think about Tier Zero in terms of like. What does this deck do on turn three? And obviously, any deck we're going to talk about on this list has that in mind. But if you were going to brew something, if you had a card you wanted to try to make a deck around, it's very simple. You cannot tap out on turn three. You can't do right. it. Well, and, and not to mention, if you look at the tier one and 1.5s, a lot of these decks have a plan against that problem of a tier three twin situation they get run into. Either it be kill them quicker, put them on tilt so they have to be able to respond to what you're doing so they can't. Uh, combo off or stop their combo through removal and or discard. 
Yeah, I mean, some some cards that come to mind, obviously, one of Kessler's favorites is Geist of St. Draft, and one of my favorites is Grand Architect. Different power levels, I'd say. But yeah. <laughs> but they're both, they both suffer from the same problem in the format right now, which is that Twin is too prominent. You can't get away with a strategy that focuses around casting one of those cards on the third turn of the game. It right. doesn't work. Um, so, moving past Tier 0, uh, Tier 1. So, these are... You know, along with Splinter Twin, this is what generally our gauntlet is every week, unless we're uh, deck teching one of these decks. We've deck teched, I think, every single one of these decks, um, except maybe uh, the second one. And these are kind of the decks that you are going to face in a tournament. These are the ones when you walk into the doors, you can pretty honestly expect to play them at least once, if not twice, per tournament. Um, these decks are Abzan Midrange, Infect, Burn, and Affinity. Right, and that uh, burn is actually now Naya burn, apparently, according to all the websites that I did research for this episode on. I mean, it's just a red deck that plays, like, Boros, Charm, and Tarkus Command. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's Naya colors. That's yeah. green and white and red. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of tier one. These are all the pillars of the format. It's, these are these are what, like, if you were to say, have a new player ask, like, what decks make up the modern format, these are the five that I would list to them. I almost put Abzan midrange into tier zero. I almost do. It's 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 right on the edge. They're comparable. Yeah. They're comparable. It's the it's the counterpoint to twin. It's it's when we say that tap out on turn three thing, you can tap out on turn three for Liliana because you've thought seized them on turn one already. Right. Probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so these are kind of the decks. Like in fact Puts is along with Splinter Twin and the two premier combo decks that kind of put the clock on people and making it so you have to be very reactive to be able to play this game. Uh, Abzan Midrange is kind of your major um, control, is like the closest thing to control the format has. It's the major permission deck. It has Thoughtseize, it has discard spells. This is kind of the one deck that is able to answer these things because it's proactive about answering. Modern is not a format that allows reactive play. So having something that's proactive is the major way you're able to stop decks from doing what they're trying to do. Which is why, yeah, three out of those four are very aggressive. Um, Burn yeah. and Affinity. I mean, like, what's really interesting about this whole list is other than Abs and Midrange, in, with Turn Zero and Tier One, it's almost entirely heavily aggressive. Turn three, turn... F like, turn three possible, turn four combo decks that all attack on very different axes. Like... Burn, life gain is good against them, but it's terrible against Infect, and it's terrible against Splinter Twin. Infinity, you need, like, specialized artifact hate to be able to stop them because they're so resilient. And, like, really, life gain isn't that good against them either because they swing at you in chunks of 12 damage at a time. So, like, all of these decks swing, like are very aggressive but from completely different angles. And this is some of the complaints people have with the format. Right, Abzan Midrange, you, you, try to, you try to sideboard against Abzan Midrange, it's just a good stuff deck. Yeah. You, you, they're you not, they're not, they're 55% better than the field is what most pros say. It's like, it's not 90% better than every deck, but it's just consistently decent against every deck. They have no terrible matchup. So, so that's uh, those would be the five strongest decks. If you if you wanted to just walk into a tournament blind and have the best chance to win a tournament uh, without a ton of practice, that would be one of those five decks. Would be the deck you would probably want to bring with you. Right. You would have. Now we'll get into tier one point five here, and I, I want to say, Jund is the old Abzan. It yes. was the original Abzan. When Bloodbraid Elf was Rhino. Yeah. And quite honestly, it, it's not played as much these days, days, but I don't know that it's that much worse than Abzan, really. Well, see, I, I think part of... There's two issues. One, Rhino is just a much better four drop, and these decks kind of like having that four drop the top of their curve. Yeah. Uh, the other one is I actually don't think Lightning Bolt, if you're not being aggressive, is that good of a card in the format. 
right now. Right now. Well, and it's really good. Obviously, it kills everything. But I think it actually does more to warp the format around it than it actually does to be a useful answer in decks. Because so many cards are built to be able to be resistant to Lightning Bolt. Which is hilarious. Because if you're explaining your idea to a novice and you're playing three toughness creatures... And they're like, well, Lightning Bolt. And you're like, well, no one's playing Lightning Bolt right now. And it's like, you're like so meta right now if you're trying to explain well, and that to them. people are like, Burn does. Like, that's why I think like aggressive decks play Burn. Splinter Twin plays Burn because it's a good catch-all answer in the two colors it's playing. But uh, the, really when it comes down to it is the decks that want to do damage to your face will play Lightning Bolt. So Zoo, Burn, uh, Twin, um, more because t- Twin has the tempo playing with Snapcaster Mage. Um, uh, Delver decks, they all play Lightning Bolt. So Lightning Bolt is around, but... It's only good if you're really going to plan on throwing them at your opponent's face. And right. you're just like, maybe I'll get value early if I need to stop a creature that I need to kill. So basically, other than... Uh, the, the big differences are Path to Exile and Rhino uh, and Lingering Souls. Those are the three yeah. cards that Jun, that Abzan gets that Jun doesn't get. Right. While Jun gets Lightning Bolt, Jun gets... Chandra. Chandra, and Jun, in theory, gets like... Um, What's... Terminate. It gets some random other okay yeah, cards. Yeah, pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, it has some other four drops you'll see show up Olivia sometimes. Olivia Voldaren is yep. played relatively. Uh, Huntmaster, oh, if Hunt you're Master in like a heavy burn metagame. Yeah. Um, yeah, Oh, so on this Lightning Bolt point, I guess. But if you look at every one of these main decks, they all have pretty resistant Lightning Bolt. They're all pretty resistant to Lightning Bolt. Splinter Twin has Deceiver Exarch, which is the major part of the combo. And they really, like most lists I looked up online, play two Pestermite for Deceiver because it's, it's just that and, much better. And it warped more and more in that direction as people played more Electrolyze, as people played more Lightning right. Bolt. You saw less and less Pestermites. The old versions, there was a long period of time, probably not that long, probably about six months, where the deck played uh, legitimately four Deceiver, four Pestermite, four Twin, and two to three Kiki-Jiki. Right. And then it just slowly but surely was like, Pestermite's not that good, Kiki-Jiki's too slow, we just need more control cards. Yep, yep. And and that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, Next, moving into... Oh, I guess finishing my Lightning Bolt rant. Go back. Uh, Abzan Midrange, every one of its creatures is Lightning Bolt resistant. Like, Lingering Souls, Lightning Bolt's terrible against. They're not playing Bob anymore because it's bad against Lightning Bolt. Yep. Uh... Um, Corsair Crufix is good against Lightning Bolt. Rhino is amazing against Lightning Bolt. Like, all these cards just kind of brick wall that one card, so it's not really good against them. It, at best, it kills Liliana if it decides to make you sack a creature, and then you're already down a creature. And you can say the exact same thing about Jund. Jund, Lightning Bolt is great in Jund. Lightning Bolt's terrible against Jund. Right. So Jund is part of Tier 1.5. J- tier 1.5 also hosts the most consistent tribal deck in the format. I mean, I guess if you could consider Affinity a tribal deck, sort of, but it's not really. Uh, it's like a... Yeah, Merfolk Super is... Super type tribal versus type tribal. Merfolk is, is really an interesting one. Kessler, you told me as you were looking through lists to make this up, you saw a lot of those in the top eight. Yeah, so, so Merfolk consistently does well. I think part of that is the fact that Splinter Twin is so popular and the Island Walk is, like, super relevant with that matchup. I do think, like... We've talked to, we talked with Glenn when Glenn was on the cast. We did Merfolk as a, it was one of like the first uh, deck decks we did. And Master of Waves really put that deck above and beyond what it used to be. It's resistant to Lightning Bolt. Because of Lightning Bolt. (laughs) And it's resistant to Abrupt Decay, which is even more important. So, like, those are the two best things you can possibly be doing. It's super fast and aggressive. And that's kind of what you need to be doing. It's aggressive, it's resistant to the major removal spells of the format. And it's really kind of hard to disrupt because it's so, um, like, almost all the cards are the exact same card. It's a deck filled with all of the same cards. It really takes the, the concept of redundancy, like, to the limit. It also, you get some semi-free counterspells, which is cool. Yep. You get you get uh, Curse Catcher. I right. know I've seen some of the lists play, uh, what's the, the other Curse Catcher? 
Judge is familiar. I've yep. seen that. We'll get thrown in sometimes out of sideboards. Uh, you Well, you also get, like, one of the better land destruction spells in the format after Blood Moon, which I would say spreading is seas. spreading seas. So, like, against a junk player, you can just wreck them by, like... Cutting their color off and then yeah. having island walking creatures that are just going to get in there. And certain and certain matchups, uh, disrupting shoal can be pretty powerful. Right, I've you seen get that used. you get advantage of the best land. I mean, we don't need to do a Murfolk yeah, yeah. deck deck, but so Murfolk's on the list. Jund, uh, Amulet Bloom, which we've talked about, it did really well. I put it actually in a lower tier for now. Um, I originally had it in my in tier one point five, uh, in tier one, but. Because of the the kind of the cheating that has gone on with the deck, and we know that the one person that was doing well with it got caught, like holding his top set or his first seven cards in his hand before the game started, and just inconsistently skewing the results based off of the amount of times he could go off on right, turn one, right. makes me feel like I want to see how well this does in the next GP. And if it does well, I'd move it right back to turn one point five. It is one of the most powerful decks in the format when it's doing what it's supposed to do. But you have to remember that we've seen. There's a number of decks that we've seen do really powerful things, really unfair things. Uh, Gorio's Vengeance comes to mind is another deck that's kind of a similar thing. Right, but and this is more consistent than those decks end up being. Just because it has more interaction, it is, like, the cards that it's doing, like, it has a much better inevitability act engine. Like, a, like the Gorio's Vengeance is just going to do that one thing eventually. This one could just eventually hard cast a Primeval Titan, which is pretty much going to get them there. Right. So it definitely has a lot more going for it. I just don't know how good it is if no one's cheating with the deck. Sure. And I don't think, I mean, like, it's possibly very, very good. And if someone on the internet thinks I'm wrong, please tweet at me. I'd love to hear it. But, like, right now I want to hold back saying, oh, man, it's tier one. Sure. Okay, that's fair. And then the last one in here is kind of a newcomer on the scene, which is Collected Company Abzan. If you mean by new one, you mean Birthing Pod, but with Collected Company instead of Birthing Pod. So this is a really cool thing. Um, I personally am working on a Collected Company deck at the moment that we won't get into, but I have been firsthand witnessing the power of that card. Uh, And I've seen an Elves list. I've seen uh, the Abzan list. It's it's essentially... The, like, Anafenza has replaced Malyra in the infinite life gain or infinite kill you. Right, because with... it's, it's a serviceable creature that can also just sometimes get you infinite life. So there's a couple versions. There's one version that plays Congregation at Dawn and then Collected Company. Um, the, the one that's doing the best right now plays uh, Collective Company and the um, Convoke Tutor. Okay, yeah, Court of Calling. Court of Calling. Yeah. Those, just those two cards together give it the consistency it needs. to, And really, because like the point is with these decks is to outvalue your opponent. Birthing Pod was a mid-range value deck first and a combo deck second towards the end and towards when Birthing Pod won, was the best deck possible. And so these decks can sometimes combo. Sometimes you'll get infinite life. Sometimes you'll get the super giant, unlimitedly big angel combo in play. But more often than not, it's just trying to uh, outvalue your opponent, get creatures that gain value when they come into play, using spells that gain value when you cast them, and then using Court of Calling to maybe combo out. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely the, the whole, um, I guess, t- uh, aggro, not aggro control. Aggro control is what fairies was always referred to as. A deck like this that is is like sort of doing something fair it's aggro and mid-range. mid-range. <laughs> aggro mid-range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's like mid-range combo. It's value aggro. Yeah, it's it's a weird, it's like a weird style. It's mid-range. It's for sure mid-range. You're not killing them on turn three unless you combo out by like just blind luck. Yeah, but the thing about playing a deck like this, any deck like this that can win out of nowhere, you have this sense the whole time of like, okay, 
I have to be doing something proactive proactive enough on my turn to expect that I might have a chance of winning. Because if I give them four turns, they'll probably win by drawing a combo piece or a tutor to get their combo piece to kill me. Right. So it doesn't matter if I get them to two. It doesn't matter if I go to four and it's close. Or if I stay at 22, they'll just kill me if they draw the right card. So right. it's like this weird inevitability thing where you're just kind of terrified of everything you do. Um that yeah, it's it's definitely a unique style of deck. Collective Company is the real deal, though I can say that. Much. Right, and interesting enough, I would say if Collective Company gets better and better, Tron decks will move up in my list of where they are currently in my mm. tiers because Tron's best matchup was Birthing Pod. When Birthing Pod was doing well, Tron would do well, and since Birthing Pod been gone, they have have kind of just been missing on the scene. But with Collective Company, I'd be interested to see what the Collective Company Tron matchup ends up being like. Uh, so, so I want to get into tier two because tier okay. two seems to have like most of my favorite decks in the format, <laughs> or at least decks that have like just like cards that I think are really sweet. Right. So these are decks that are perform consistently well, are kind of always around. You know, a lot of these are decks. That a lot of times that also people pick up and then just they lock on no matter when they're good in the format, and they swing how like they're like a for instance Boggles is on this list. Boggles will do really well when uh, Abzan is not well when Lilianas aren't everywhere, and then we'll get worse when Abzan drops. It starts being the most played deck. So, like, these are a lot of decks that are very matchup-based, and depending on how the metagame has shifted, will do better or worse. Uh, first is Blue-White-Red. This has kind of been my original deck in the format. I've been playing Blue-White-X since I started playing Modern. But you have a sweet version of this deck that you personally play. You, the right version, now, yeah. The version you play is, like, you play Kiki-Jiki and Angel, and, and you also play uh, Soulfire Grandmaster. Yes, <laughs> which is sweet. in the land of blue, white, red brew controls. But yeah, I mean, like one of my complaints with the deck always was it felt like I was working towards mediocrely maybe killing them while all the opponents were working. And this is the problem with blue decks in general. I think in the format, my end game is meh. Well, and like generally is killing them by like whittling them down accidentally with my lands. Well, their game plan is like, very proactive into the format, and they is every other deck. And the change I did to my blue-white-red deck is, with the Kiki-Jiki combo, I at least have a end-of-your-turn Restoration Angel on my turn I win. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely sweet. Right. I played a game against this deck the other day with the Brew aforementioned, and there's definitely some really cool interaction stuff going on uh, with Kiki-Jiki copying. You have a copy of Venser in there. Oh, Venser is... Actually, really good in modern. I might want to do an entire episode on that card. That's just yeah. like one of your favorite cards of all time. It's uh, probably my top ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> like, like Kiki copying Venser, or like Kiki copying Soulfire when I try to kill Soulfire so that his bolt could gain him life. Like it was just like pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, more decks. Scape Shift. Uh, this is you know this was a much more tier one deck before the bans. I do think it needs a slightly better dig spell than it has right now. I thought Anticipate was the sweetest spell. I mean, Anticipate has brought it from not Tier 2 to Tier 2, I would say. I think it was like off everyone's radar and is now just more consistent. But it needs something like Dig Through Time. It needs something like Ponder. Something powerful. So, just something that is on the same power level at least as Serum Visions. And Serum Visions, you need like you need at least four more of what that card and is And Sleight of Hand sucks. And Sleight of Hand is the worst. <laughs> oh, uh, off record, so I know that the FNM promo that this this fall, or no, is it this fall? August. August. Yeah, so this fall is the is Serum Visions. Well, August is summertime. Well, it's like end of summer. Beginning I mean, it's like, it's like, it's summertime. Okay, fine. So <laughs> in August, in summer, uh, Serum Visions is happening. Um, does that mean that Serum Visions is going to be in standard? I don't think so. I think for the summer, because it's like the modern summer with the, 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 um, 
pre-TQ season is is this summer as well. Yeah. Um, and with Modern Masters 2015, they're doing Path to Exile, which is also not an MM15, as the July promo. Uh, and August is uh, Serum Visions. I actually... I, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if maybe September's promo is also, like, a staple. Like but, Remand or something. No. Or something they didn't print in MM15. Um, yeah, what was one of the, oh, like, Inquisition, maybe, or something. Or Meomancer. Uh, what? Mimomancer? No. Avon Mind Sensor. Mind Sensor. <laughs> I'm going to make that mistake. I, there's just some cards that I lock onto this name, and this maybe podcast gets to hear it. It's a sweet card. We've talked about it I know. It's a three one that makes other three ones. We literally have mentioned this three times now. Um, moving on. Uh... Grixis, uh, Blue Red Delver, this is a newer deck on the scene, and it actually might be a higher tier. It yeah. might be tier 1.5. It's really good. Um, it's a little bit new. It uses Tassiger in the, like, instead of Treasure Cruise, basically. It basically is the same Blue Red Delver deck, but it's playing Tassiger and Thoughtseize, which are two good cards. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I've seen, there's the one list in the mocks that the guy was playing that had Kologon's Command. Oh, yeah. And Kologon's Command and Deprive. Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, I my... played against it, actually, at this last weekend. It was it's, like... Yeah, it's... It's sweet. Oh my god, it's sweet. Colgan's <laughs> command with Snapcaster Rage is just like <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they like lo- it, the instant speed discard with Snapcaster Mage, where they can like double discard you, so you oh. don't get the draw card for the turn, is nuts. Instant speed discard is bad. Wizard, stop printing it. And by bad, I mean bad for me and good for good for winning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's really good. So Tron, we mentioned it before. We've deck decked it. Big creatures. We'll actually talk about it a little bit later in the episode. Uh, zoo. You know, this is the. The classic aggressive deck in the format, it's always going to be around. People are always going to play it. Nactyl is a good card, but it's never been able to really be dominant since uh, they banned Nactyl, since they unbanned Nactyl. Yeah, it is weird. I, I was working on a list with this recently that I was thinking about playing for the summer, which is like Nicodal Delver, essentially. And I, I was thinking like a Tarkas Command is like just really sweet with Delver, so I wanted to try to play that in that kind of a deck. Um, it's really powerful. It's just, it's difficult to justify playing Naya. And if you play more than Naya, like a Tribal Flames version of the deck, you just take so much damage. With Burn right. being as prominent as it is, it's just too uh, affinity. Like, it's just too difficult. You right. just die too fast. Um, Black-White Tokens. This is maybe the other one that I do think is possibly a Tier 1.5. Um, this generally does well. Bitter Blossom brought it over the top. We mentioned before that being good against removal spells is good in this format, and and Lightning Bolt and Path is terrible against Black White Tokens. The new Soren is also very powerful in the deck, um, making the life swings against Burn just insurmountable for them. So it definitely has a really good game against parts of the field. And Infect is not good against uh, Lingering Souls. Infect's biggest problem is Lingering Souls, because all your creatures are 1-1s, so you have to waste spells to get past it. Um, Next, uh, Boggles. We mentioned this before. Yep. Uh, I mentioned it right before we started. Uh, Soul Sisters, we deck tech this the other week. The more burn in the be- matchup, the more Delver that's being played, the better. The worse it gets when people are playing just value Abzan decks or uh, Affinity match, or just va- uh, Abzan and Infect. The more Abzan and Infect, the worse Soul Sisters is. Uh, Living End, uh, Travis Wu came on and brewed it with us. Another thing, like, actually, this is a deck that if Zoo got better, Living End would get better. Right. Living End is really good against creature decks. Um, it's And so, like, the more of that in the metagame and the more, like, counterspell decks in the metagame, the better this deck will be. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's get to the final tier, tier three, which tier three wrote, showed up on dailies, you will see them, new brews on the scene. Uh, this is basically every deck that exists in Magic that is known 
uh, if a deck does even remotely well at any tournament or even like just four a daily, it becomes kind of right. And sometimes these are decks that could just outright win a, a pro tour, like or like top eight a pro tour from left field. They're inconsistent normally. They're cool, but they're generally big flashes in the pan. I mean, this I'm going to name decks that you create generally. <laughs> I'm really your tier four. <laughs> name, I'm going to name a couple decks that showed up in this ca- in this category at one time. Yeah, just we don't have to talk about each one. Living end, uh, soul sisters, not living end. It, it, it originally showed up in this kind of category. Oh, 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 oh. No, no, oh. these are not. This not right now. I'm saying when you're talking about this category, oh, okay. decks that were originally in this category at that one have, time, have graduated to yes. higher levels. Living right. in, I would definitely put in this category. Amulet Bloom is the is the cornerstone. Of yeah, that, of this yep. that this yep. deck because that deck was around for over a year before it broke out. Merfolk. Um, yeah, I would say Merfolk. Boggles. Um, Boggles probably. Yeah, Soul Sisters. Uh, and then the other ones that are listed here, which are Dredgevine, Blue White Control, Fairies, Collected Company Elves, Blue Moon, Goryeo's Vengeance, Ad Nauseam, and Twinning End. For those of you who are wondering what Twinning End is, I asked myself. Kessler can tell you right now. <laughs> it's uh, it's Living End, but they play Splitter Twin Combo in it just for funsies. It's sweet. Uh, Ad Nauseam <laughs> is like the old uh, Legacy Combo where you pay a bunch of life, right? Yeah, you uh, you um, it's a basically you make it so you can't die. You use the Phyrexian life card and you basically can draw your whole deck out and then kill someone through like two different burn cards conflagrate yeah conflagrate um Gorio's vengeance was the one that got popular on that one like like four out a daily and somebody it article. puts ember cool in the play on turn two or can put ember cool in the play on turn two and then uh use or grizzle brand and then yeah. get multiple attack steps to kill them i've seen people do this i've also seen people do the thing where they like go all in with ember cool on turn two and then you like they Somebody sacks two lands and takes 15, and then their deck just totally flames out because they right. just went all in. And, like, you're at five, and you just win. <laughs> uh, so that's probably one of the reasons. Blue Moon was the deck that showed up in the top eight at a Pro Tour, like, three Pro Tours ago, right. I think. And it's um, it's probably one of the other control decks. It does decently. The more three-color decks are seen play, the better it does. The Like, the better Splinter Twin is, the worse Blue Moon is. Yes, exactly. Um Collected Company Elves we mentioned earlier. It's just an Elves deck that plays Collected Company. It's a company. classic Elves deck, and Collected Company might be the card draw value engine it's needed this whole time to be able to kind of compete. It's brand new, so this could graduate to a higher tier. I have seen a couple people streaming at this last yeah, week. Yeah, like it literally is just showed up onto the scene. Uh, Fairies was came back with Bitter Blossom. It's always just not been good enough. It, what it's trying to do doesn't really succeed. The hilarious thing about Fairies to me is that, okay, the cards that are in this Fairies deck that are in Modern are basically cards that existed and were legal when fairies was in standard and it was yeah. the most oppressive deck i and i'm trying to think if there's anything that immediately comes to mind that maybe you play inquisition uh all as yeah, well as discard spells. maybe uh but pretty much it's just cards from standard and they banned bitter blossom originally thinking this would be too good people did okay like they did all right with mono blue and the blue red fairies that couple couple years ago now that bitter blossom is back it doesn't seem like it's doing anything it's like how it's like super funny to me. This this seems like it would be super powerful. Uh, it well, just doesn't. It ended up Bitter Blossom. Uh, it does more work in black white tokens. I mean, this is actually uh, our friend Jules mentioned this uh, to me when I was talking about them unbanning it, and he was like, "I don't think they're not unbanning it because of fairies." He was blatantly think like he blatantly thought it might make black white tokens too strong, hmm. which it does. It makes black white tokens a tier two, possibly tier one point five deck in the format. Yeah, it is It is funny, too, that, like, basically, Lingering Souls is the worst thing in the world for fairies. It's the card that they want to see yeah, the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, that's the card that, like, you pair with tokens. Right. So it, it is funny that you just, ah, just forget fairies. I'll just play tokens. Um, blue-white control. Uh, this is similar to the blue-white red decks, but the blue-white red decks are generally burn 
themed. They like have some game plan of Snapcaster Mage plus Lightning Helix and Lightning Bolt. These are the decks that are much more about like these are classic control decks, and they do okay. Um, they're not the worst deck, but they also like the, there's something missing for control in this format, and I'm not exactly sure what that card would be that they need to introduce to make it better. Yes. Um, and Dredgevine. Lastly, uh, my favorite deck ever, maybe <laughs> <laughs> at least my favorite standard deck I ever had. Uh, it dredges, it gains value, it doesn't do very much in yeah, the end. It's not it, really it doesn't. It's not format. explosive enough. There's not a way to like take advantage of the dredge. Chapin like tried this at the Pro Tour. No, not this last one. When who Chapin did the like Esper Delve deck at the Pro Tour? Oh, okay. He tried this at a Pro Tour, I think. Possibly, I don't know. Or maybe don't I'm know. just mixing up this that Delve deck. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. This deck. Yeah. Um, um. So yeah, that's kind of the third tier. I mean, there's a ton of decks in the third tier. In fact, if we could list, we can just continue to list cards for ter- like the third tier. But I'm gonna move us on because I don't want to spend <laughs> an extra thirty minutes talking about it. Sure. Um. So MM15 is coming out. This is the second time the set was printed. We kind of have a basic pattern. We reviewed it last week. Um, but this, I do think with the release of this set, we're going to see a warp in what you're going to see at different tournaments. And I think it's important to bring up how this will affect, like, modern in general. First off, between MM15 coming out and the summer pre-TQ season being modern, I think modern's going to skyrocket in popularity. You think, like, similar to the way that it did two years ago, or way more? I think way more. Interesting. Uh, for a few reasons. One, I think more people have friends that are already playing it, so people getting into it isn't going to be, like, it's not going to be like, oh, I built my modern deck, but now I have no friends to play with. That right. is less of a problem. Plus, it's an FNM format now. It wasn't then. Uh, two, there's going to be more of this set printed. Yeah. Just in general. Um, the SRP is a little bit more fair to how much a pack is worth. So it's less like last time where every store skyrocketed the prices above MSRP. So that's also a benefit. Um, lastly, the fact that the, the pre-TQ season, which is a much more like player friendly format than PTQ regulars, right? Like PTQ regulars, like there's a specific type of player that went to PTQs. Pre-TQs, if you're just at your store that day, People just, like, play casually. And this is a way... Like, all these things all happening at the same time generally leans people into being able to play this format better and more often. And there'll be more of these things. So if you're at your store and they're running a pre-TQ and you don't have a modern deck with you, say, oh, but two weeks from now we're doing another one or three weeks from now we're doing another one, you can have a deck by then, people might actually play. When it's PTQ season, there's maybe two modern tournaments. If And we're in Los Angeles, so maybe we got three if we were lucky yeah. nearby us. And we're in a major metropolitan city. If you're in the middle of, like, if you're in Atlanta where there's not a lot of places to drive near you, you have one or two PTQs a season if you're lucky. Like, that's two tournaments that you missed because you didn't play one of a modern deck. That's fine. But now... Every store in your area, every weekend, almost every single weekend, there'll be pre-TQ modern events. Yeah. That makes it more worth having a deck. So these are some of the decks I think will become more popular because of the type of cards in MM15. Um, the first one on my list is Affinity. So obviously. Which is, is obvi- yeah. like, there are four major cards being reprinted in this set for this deck. Not to mention multiple major cards from this deck were printed in the last Modern Master, so it's already kind of a depreciated value deck. Um, the two cards... And one of them is probably going to be the biggest barrier moving forward that aren't being reprinted are Ravager and Ink Moth Nexus. And Ink Moth Nexus has not seen a reprint. It wasn't an event deck. 
Yeah, it, it is funky that they didn't they didn't reprint Inkwath Nexus because there's no they like took Infect, but for some reason they didn't. So like in Modern Masters, I've now heard that Green White Auras was the Green White original strategy. Yeah, and Infect was the original Green Black. Okay, and Auras didn't really work, and or I think ended up being possibly too strong in the format, and. Uh, in fact, just didn't work with what was going on. So interesting with proliferate. But they somehow left Daybreak Corianet in the set and not just because they Nexus. just didn't want to have yeah for whatever reason. At rare and a weird well, but it's, it's a white card. They needed another white rare, I guess. Yeah, but it doesn't. There's literally only one R in the entire set. The, you, the 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 red one. The red one that you can play it on your own creature. Yeah, with. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's like there's a bunch of removal enchantments actually. Goblin so. Warpaint is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so. That's like Mox Opal, Etch Champion, Cranial Plating, and Blink Moth Nexus all coming back, plus a bunch of random like one drop ones. And there's a few cards from this deck like in standard right now. Makes the deck a lot more feasible for people to pick their hands up. Um, next uh, on the deck's Tron. So this is another deck that's getting a lot of its staples reprinted with, you know, all of the Eldrazi, including specifically Emrakul is the main one it, it sees play. Ayavugan at Rare now, Expedition Map at Uncommon, and Karn. Those are like four... Pretty, like, scarce cards. And, you know, Karn obviously is the big one that are, like, hard to get your hands on and, and are going to definitely, like, when I pick my Emrakul up, I'm going to be like, oh, I want to play with this card. So, like, people are going to figure out ways to play it. And Tron is probably the best strategy to take advantage of them. They didn't print the Tron lands, though. Right, but they've been reprinted, like, I mean, so like, yeah, times. they're, like, a dollar maybe each, which yeah. is still, like, you know, a $12 investment, but that's... Like, a Ravager is a $12 investment for one. Yeah, it's true. And, I mean, Tron is a good deck. Tron is, like, one of those decks that, like... It's just always on the fr- like always on the yeah, outskirts. Yeah, and it does really sweet things. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. It's good. It, it'll be good. They, they didn't reprint Grove of the Burn Willows. Right. Uh, and they didn't reprint Oblivion Stone. Yeah, those are the two big misses. Though Oblivion Stone, I think, has seen reprinted a Commander product at least once. Okay, yeah. Um, so, moving on... Uh, Boggles, we talked about them before. Noggles, as you like to call uh, it. Noggles is if I have mentioned Noggles and you're like, "What's that deck?" I meant Boggles. <laughs> I meant Boggles. Same as every time I say Mamiomancer, I mean Mind Sensor. Yep. <laughs> and Siege Rhinos or Sage Rhinos. <laughs> Daybreak Sage, <laughs> Palace Sage. <laughs> um. So Daybreak Coronet. The thing with it was there's really only two barriers to entry for Boggles. And it's Daybreak Coronet and the green-white land that when you sack it, you draw a card. Horizon Canopy. Horizon Canopy. Like, both of these cards were the barriers, and now Daybreak Coronet is not going to be one. So, like, everything else in the deck is a common. <laughs> How did they not reprint Horizon Canopy? That's... They didn't reprint any of the rare lands. I know, but that seems like such a terrible thing. It's... I have an idea of what possibly could happen in our future. Huh. What if they reprint them in Magic Origins? Oh, her- that, yeah, that'd be great. All five of that, like that. Horizon Canopy Cycle? The Horizon Canopy Cycle. That would be a fantastic reprint. Like, and it's not too easy- powerful for no. standard. It's kind of cool because there's going to be a lot of, like, lands do stuff shenanigans yeah. in Zendikar. I definitely can imagine that being what happens as the next, like, land fixing cycle. That would be excellent. That card's be really sweet. That card's right? great. Yeah, I would see that happening or Filter Lands coming back soon. Yeah, like, I really think, um, I really do think that the Horizon Canopy idea makes a lot of sense because. I can attest from playing with that card for a great number of years in very many different decks. Like, it's tempting to sack it early and draw a card when you need gas, but you just hamstring yourself so often by doing it. Right, uh, but the other side is like sometimes you gain a card and you're no longer losing life. So like it's definitely yeah. all those all of those cards are really interesting. Obviously, the red green one, which is the one that when it you can tap it to give an opponent a life. Yeah, and the green white one are the best two. Um, but it's definitely an interesting cycle. I'd love to see it back in standard. Oh, I don't think they're not, and obviously they're really good, but I don't know that they weren't too powerful when they the were there. Filter the, lands were, the filter lands were really good. 
Yeah. And Graven Cairns was originally one of those. Right. Yeah. So it, it, that's the one reason I actually think they might not do it. But they could do like the ley line cycle thing they did where they give us four weird ones, four the, the four reprints, and then one new black-red weird reprint that they bring it back yeah, for yeah, whatever yeah. reason. Um, and they The decided... last deck is Twin. We mentioned it as number zero. The best deck in the format got a lot of reprints for this deck. So they will not be banning Twin anytime soon. That's what, that's what it seems to me, though... Modern Masters was finalized. Modern Masters 15 was finalized ago. last summer. Right. So at that point, Twin was just always decent, but nothing too – like it didn't win consistently. Birthing Pod was a deck that was more a bigger part of the format. They definitely at that point didn't think about getting rid of Twin, but I do think this means Twin's not getting banned for a while. This is, this is my thought. I don't think you print Splinter Twin cards in this set and realistically after banning Birthing Pod say to yourself – Okay, we're gonna promote this card, we're gonna this deck, and we're gonna encourage all these people to play the game, and then we're gonna expect no like no severe back. I think they would more likely cut the pro tour than ban the card. Right. That's Lapil well, Lapilli's whole theory about you know, we have to make the decision of do you ban cards out of people's decks right. or do you run a boring pro tour? I think you either run a boring pro tour or you have no pro tour rather than banning Splinter Twin. Oh yeah. I, but I I think there's other I mean, I think they unban uh, Bloodbraid Elf, they, I think there's cards you can get rid of, not sorry, that you can add this time around without having, like they just got through a heavy ban season. They just banned three cards. So maybe this time around is more of an unbanned season and there are a few targets that obviously can be marked for unbanning. Um, yeah, so interestingly enough, the, the and I mentioned it earlier, Serum Visions is coming back to the FNM promo in the fall slash summer slash August, um, which is not in Ma uh, Modern Masters. Now, I do think that it is, though it's going to be a promo, like, it's still not going to be that easy to get it. It's still going to oh, be yeah. like a card you're going to have, like, right now it's like a $7 uncommon or an $8 uncommon, I think. Right. I mean, it's maybe going to drop to 5 well, like, I would say right now is the last moment. If you're on the precipice of being like, you know what, I really want to get in modern. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on this precipice. Or you hopefully are since we've been trying to convince you for the last year yeah, <laughs> of seriously. doing so. Um, there are definitely specific cards you need to be on the lookout to start picking up. Like Snapcaster Mage. Yep. And, like, I think Liliana the Veil will actually be reprinted in Standard at one point. They almost did it last year. And I think they – and the only reason they didn't do it is because black, white, black, mono black devotion would have been way too strong. It's and it was like, coming back already bonkers. as the regional promo and they didn't right. want to make – I think they didn't want to devalue it. So, like, that's – makes sense there. I don't – and, like, they'll probably bring Snapcaster Mage back – they probably bring Snapcaster Mage back in the future as well. Maybe – They've I've, done it with other – it might be in the next Modern Masters. Exactly. It might be the oh, next – Oh, it'll 100% be the next oh, Modern Oh, yeah. Well, unless they, like, bring it back to standard and so, or some I other way. I just don't know. Like, that card is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess the biggest reason it was so good in standard was because you could play it with Mana Leak and Ponder. <laughs> <laughs> Seems good. Seems so preposterous. Okay. Um, if you don't print that card with Mana Leak and Ponder or even just – if you just have one weak counter spell and, like, no card like, – like, no blue – It definitely does more bad things to the format – than like Liliana would. Only if you have it paired with those cards. Otherwise, it's like a cool card that you just like get to cast value That's true. cards. That's off true. Of. I'll give you that. Um, um Serum Visions. Um, I think actually right now, like this summer would be a great time to pick that Serum Visions FNM promo. Yeah. I think that's like a big sign that says just like, hey guys, we have no plans on reprinting this card anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, I'm trying to think like uh, Inquisitions, you'll have two years before those come back, presumably. Oh, I think they're No, no, this September. Inquisitions of Kozilek, I think, is coming back. In? 
in Battle for Zendikar, the place that Kozilek is. <laughs> oh, you think so for sure? Yeah, I think Thotsies rotates out and they put Inquisition of Kozilek in to replace it. That is not confirmed, guys. That is just Kessler going on record. Oh, yeah. But I've been pretty good at calling these things out. Yeah, I called shots. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, you, you said Mind Sensor was another card that you figured would probably be... Reprinted soon? It seems something that would be cool and standard. I don't know if it will. It might not be. It has some feel-bads, but, like, it's hard to predict what's going to be reprinted and what isn't. Things to really focus on are, like, mythics yep. and legendary creatures. Yep. So, like, if you see a legendary creature that you want, like Venser, that's pretty expensive and there's not a lot of easy ways to reprint it, then it means, like, Modern Masters, Conspiracy-like sets, Commander decks, and which is, like, a chunk and from the vaults are the best way to get them into the format. But most of those, I think you're pretty safe. Like, it's an interesting – look at all the uncommons that weren't reprinted that are expensive or, like, close to expensive. Like, now's the time to pitch up, pick up Kitchen Fix because that card's not coming back for a long time. Yeah. Like, if you don't have your replacement of Kitchen Fix, get it now. Yep, and maybe Path. It seems like it'll Same Path. Well, Path is another thing. I just – all these F&M promos, you should just be picking up as much as you can. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of it for the themes of the episode. Hopefully that was helpful, kind of giving you guys what modern looks like right now and what kind of what you can kind of expect if you were walking into uh, one of the PTQs this next modern season to be playing against. Um, as always, we ask people on Twitter before we start recording a question. We asked them, what modern decks are you most excited to build after MM15 comes out? At Alex Belty, uh, he has tweeted us before, has said he's been playing the Podless Pod deck and it's insane. He guesses that he's not really waiting for anything from MM2015. Uh, that is the Collected Company deck we mentioned that is Bananas. Yeah. Uh, Russ, who is at Adopt MTG Tokens, said Affinity, and he's thinking Boggles for fun. Boggles does seem fun. Yeah. You'll be able to get those Daybreak Coronets in drafts for nothing. Right. They don't They'll like anything go anything in the draft. <laughs> uh, Rum Titan, who is at Mr. Blades. I casually want to finish Boggles. Coronet will be affordable, and I might have to wait longer for can the Canopy reprint. We agree with you. Yep. But hopefully, if I'm right, and this is not a prediction I'm going to put any backing behind, mm. Magic Origins. Going back to the origins of weird, crazy lands from Future Sight. That doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> um, Rick underscore man, the Rick man. Is Podless Pod, Bloom Titan, and maybe he's going to start a, a Boggles deck. A lot of people seem to think that they want to build Boggles. It's a sweet deck. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and as I mentioned, Cornet was the major card that was made it difficult to build. Big time, yeah. Cornet was expensive and unnecessarily expensive. Justin Bergen, uh, who is at B-E-A-R-G-E-N. I'm guessing it's Beergen. <laughs> uh, he is he's pumped, pumped to finish his Abzan now that he'll be able to afford Goyfs I actually agree with him I just finished my Abzan list I literally have one more Tarmogoyf left that I'm expecting over my Masters of Modern opening only Modern one? Masters opening I'm only missing one. Oh, okay yeah excellent yeah on my way I'm with you Justin <laughs> I uh, need four Tarmogoyfs uh... <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to just send Ben Tarmogoyfs <laughs> he'll love you forever <laughs> Um, we'll shout you out on the podcast for sure. We co-own all of our collection together here on the Masters of Modern Podcast. That's, that's not true. I own Kessler's Not Square. legally, not true. <laughs> uh, at Nick Canner, uh, who is Nick, is his Twitter name. I've been He's been building Green X Tron. Glad some of the expensive cards got reprinted. I already snagged the land, so no feel bads there. Nice. Um, Alexander Newman is hoping for Mox Opals so he can build this absurd thing. I'm assuming it's a Tesserator list. I'm looking at it. Yeah. I have to click on a link. He, he knows, made me click on a link. I have to use the internet. If you listen to this podcast, you know that we're big fans of the cards Tezzeret 
And spell Skype. Oh, no. Another cards. It's not. Oh, wow. You got a lot of credit here. This is a Monastery Mentor Pure Steel Paladin deck. Oh. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that plays four Paradise Mantle, four Quarter Shield, four Bonesaw, four Kite Shield, four Spider Silk Nut, four Muddle the Mixture, and four Retract and four Mox Opal. Wait. And like a Gut Shot and a Noxious Revival. So it plays... A bunch of zero-cost equipment and other artifact spells and Monastery Mentor. And d- land? Uh, oh, yeah. 15, okay. 15 of them. <laughs> wow. That sounds sweet. <laughs> sounds I, like a beast. I I am so excited that that deck exists. <laughs> uh, wow, we got so many responses. Uh, at Harburg, Nicholas Harburg, he's waiting to build Geist Zoo. Affordable nobles and goifs are needed. I mean, I'm convinced. I'm with you. Yeah, I yeah. need affordable. Uh, I recommend Tribal Flames for that deck if you haven't thought about it because it just domes people. You need one hit with Geist and one hit with Tribal Flames, and you pretty much win from that point tribal on. Tribal Flames is so sweet. Uh, John Farley already have the Gauntlet built, so okay. Sorry, at John at JF Fairley has already has his Gauntlet built, so he has most of the cards from MM15 covered, but he could use some junk pieces. Well, why don't you rub it in, Mr. John <laughs> Fairley? <laughs> For his next modern deck, he wants to build an Impact Tremors plus Perforos somehow. Hashtag brew time. Oh, man. That's your new hashtag. Hashtag brew time? Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm going to just share this end of the podcast Easter egg with you. I'm working on this deck right now. It's really sweet. Um, I'm not even going to tell you how it works. I'm just going to tell you that it can get seven power on turn two with some consistency. And it can get it's just an insane bananas amount of power on the table. Can you it, can you can you list the cards you bought on Star City Games uh two days ago for this deck? Well we changed the colors shortly after I bought them. So <laughs> only the only card that I am continu- still playing is Mirror Superior. Okay. And I bought the uh, game day promo Mirror Superiors, by the way. The full art ones? Yes. It plays. Is there is there anything from Modern Masters fifteen that is going in the deck? Tarmogoyf and Profane Command are both going into the deck. Cool. Yep. All right. So that you guys all have that to look forward to. Oh man, it's going to be sweet. Cool. So that's it for the episode. Uh, you know, as always, I want to remind you guys go check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. Uh, they do awesome commander content. If you're actually going to be in GP Vegas, we are going to be hanging out all together at some ballroom someplace. We'll probably in the next episode shout out where we're going to be, and we'll be all up on the Twitter. We took uh, over an entire floor of the Tropicana. For Saturday night. Yeah, the whole, like, every poker table, just magic. That's not what's happening. It's not a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) One day, one day we'll be the biggest magic podcast of all podcasts. We play play magic cards, guys. Yeah. Not poker. (laughs) Um, So, if you guys are hanging out there, make sure to tweet at us. We'll see if we can hook up and you guys can come hang out with us on Thursday. Um, Follow us on Twitter. That's important to accomplish what we just said. We are at the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. Make sure to rate us on iTunes. I mentioned last week, and I'll mention it again, the every 10th person to comment and rate us on iTunes gets a pack up to 120. And those of you who are waiting for your packs, you will get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they're on their way. Yeah. We promise. Um, and that's it. Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later. Alligator.